Hello everyone and welcome back to a Barely Bookish. Today we are continuing on with our discussion of Interview with a Vampire and I am joined once again by Candace. Hello! We're going to be picking up with the theater scene so that's exciting mm. um, because the you know aptly named Vampire Theater that they yep. didn't check out at all first um, <laughs> did not do their due diligence definitely not Mm-mm. definitely not they did no research they were like maybe we'll show up in this town and find other vampires we'll see how it happens <laughs> so they basically sit down and i thought they were all just gonna meet there no they get ushered into a play which is fine yep um and this play death just like takes center stage um and you see an old woman chasing death, but she can't die. So death's like, ah, nah, nah, dog. Mm-hmm. Like, go over there. Death, like, makes, like, they're so shitty to her, though. Like, that's the thing that, like, really fucked with me in this mm-hmm. scene is how mean they are about it. Because, like, mm-hmm. she's, like, begging for death because, like, so you know that it's a real woman, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. an actual woman. It's not, like, a vampire. Like, everybody on stage is a vampire, or the, per- the person playing death on stage is a vampire who has, mm-hmm. like, a mask and stuff on and, like, a cloak. But, like, the woman, the old woman, is human, and she mm-hmm. looks disoriented and confused, and she's, like, like, when you say begging, like, she is a begging, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, they, like, he, like, sniffs her and then, like, does, like, a stinky face. And, like, waves his hand in front of his nose like she smells bad. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's horrible, man. You're already old. Like, leave this lady alone. She doesn't need this in her life. Like. Literally. (laughs) That's so rude. Like, what are you doing, man? Come on. I also thought it was supposed to be, like, a a sign kind of about vampires. Like, symbolism, I guess, about vampires. Mm -hmm. That, like, they're internally really old and just can never die. I don't know if that was what they were trying to do with it. But that's kind of how I took it. Well, I think that malaise of like waiting for death, waiting for a death that will never come. Like this lady Mm -hmm. is waiting for death and it'll never come. Right. Like I do think that that's supposed to be a parallel. Um, But I think that like vampires stay beautiful and sexy and fragrant Mm -hmm. and, you know, like porcelain and, you know, whatever. Um, Made of marble, I should say, rather than porcelain. Um, Mm -hmm. They stay that perfect forever. Whereas this person is actively rotting and decomposing. And I feel like it's designed to both affirm the vampire's immortality, like Mm -hmm. internally, and then externally to make the audience afraid of their own mortality. Mm -hmm. Um, Which like is very powerful imagery. Like I don't doubt very powerful, but also like, what the fuck, you know? Mm -hmm. Fair, fair. (laughs) Yeah. It's very, It's a very strange play. Let's just say that. Yep. Um, but then the pretty lady rolls off and death is supposed to be like in love. Mm. Which is something. Yeah. It's definitely something. So that I think is like also metaphor for the vampires. So like mm-hmm. they don't want the old woman because offering the old woman immortality doesn't serve them. Right. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think that this is foreshadowing as well. Um Again, like I know the ins and outs of the basic brush strokes for this book, but mm-hmm. it's been a long time since I've read the fine points of the book. Um, mm-hmm. So the in this scene, it becomes really clear that they've kidnapped another person for their play. 
uh, and she's young and she's beautiful. She has like long blonde hair and she's very like thin and kind of waifish and she's sobbing her eyes out. Like she's terrified. Um, I think Louis even says he can like smell her fear from their box seats. Like she's terrified. Mm -hmm. Right. And like when death is, when death is in love with her, I think that's supposed to be a metaphor for who they choose to turn. Right. Mm -hmm. Like they, they see her as a meal, right. As tribute, as this life, life bloods, this life's blood essence, but they also view her as full of promise right in a way that the mm -hmm. old woman isn't like they could save the old woman from death they they refuse to they mm -hmm. could save this young woman from death and it would serve them because she's young yeah. and beautiful but even then i think like the point is like you know do they or do they not sort of mm -hmm. um but the treatise that santiago does as death about like young flesh um is mm -hmm. very beautiful and i think that like the rest of this scene feels predatory and yeah. I think it's designed to make everybody feel a little bit uncomfortable. But mm -hmm. the, the bad part is that the people in the audience don't realize that it's not acting. Mm -hmm. Like this girl is legit afraid for her life and is like trying to run off the stage. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's like really interesting because I've, I've heard this ex like explored before mm -hmm. where it's like, what line is it that, it's cross like at what point is it crossing a line between acting and like oh i need to call the cops yeah you know absolutely and there's a i oh there's a big conversation happening right now i opened the article but i haven't had a chance to read it yet but it's about mm -hmm. um i think it's called idol or something like that there's a new show on hbo that mm -hmm. um stars the weekend and lily rose depp mm -hmm. and it's by the makers of euphoria which like in my opinion is a very artistic show um mm -hmm. I think it tells a really beautiful and very sad uh, and ugly narrative about teenage drug use. Um, it's definitely sensationalized, but I feel mm -hmm. like it's a solid show to watch if you can kind of stomach it. But apparently this new show leaves a lot to be desired when it comes to that kind of uh, expertise and uh, artistic touch. It just feels like torture porn, apparently. People are like, it's just torture oh. porn. Like, it's not... It doesn't feel good to watch. And granted, mm -hmm. Euphoria is hard to watch. Like, not going to tell you it isn't. It absolutely is. Content warnings, trigger warnings all over the place. Mm -hmm. But it at least feels personal. It feels like art. It feels like there's a, a reason for it to exist, right? Apparently, this new show, people are just like, how did this get made, right? So yeah. I very much feel the same way about this, about this play, this part of the play. Because, like, mm -hmm. this girl's crying real tears. She's, like, her nose is snotty. She's you know, running, they, the vampires, you know, have the vampire has like her, her wrist and like a vice grip. You can see her skin lighting up underneath it. Right. Like the red mm -hmm. of the skin coming in from being gripped so tightly. Like she is horrified. And like, we talked a little bit about this last time, like the theaters, um, mm -hmm. like the penny dreadfuls and like the, the creepy, you know, theater of the macabre and all that stuff that was going on at that time in, in Paris, especially. And I think a lot of those, um, I can't remember what they're called. There's like a fancy name for them. Um, but they uh, they specialize in making you uncomfortable. Because like, again, art yeah. is supposed to make you feel something. Sometimes the feeling is elation. Sometimes it's joy. Sometimes it's sadness. Sometimes it's misery. Sometimes it's confusion, right? Art is supposed mm -hmm. to make you feel something. And this, this I think that that movement was largely about um, making you feel terror. Mm -hmm. because again like we're talking you know like 
in the 1800s and stuff, you have, you know, a lot of like romance authors coming up. You've got, you know, like horror being kind of like first kind of written into into formal existence. Mm-hmm. Um, like you've got, you know, like, you know, like the older stuff in the 1700s, too, with, of, you know, Nathaniel Hawthorne and um, people who are writing things that were scary, like early Poe and stuff like that. But like when you really get into like horror, right, like Frankenstein, Dracula, right, like those texts like that's kind of around this time when people were looking for something else to kind of like make them feel alive and i feel like that's what the audience gets out of it right like watching this woman suffer they can it's easier for them to excuse it and make it feel like it is uh fake like it's all just a ruse it's all just a game Mm -hmm. partially because them watching it makes them feel more alive yeah you know what i mean like it's easier to overlook because you're so focused on this emotion that you are having right now in this moment watching the play rather than let me think a little bit more and let me think deeper and see if i'm really seeing what i what you know what's what's in front of me because like Mm -hmm. the way that louis describes it and the way that claudia is like titillated in that moment like i feel like other people could have picked up on the fact that this is real and the fact that they have multiple shows right the fact that like mm-hmm. this is not the first time they've ever made this one show. This is something that's ongoing. People come under cover of darkness to enjoy this. It's like a step away from a snuff film. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, it's bad. But again, I think that the, I think that people are the audience is so hungry for those emotions that it elicits that they turn the other cheek. They like look away um, when they should absolutely be staring right at it. For sure. I also think a lot of people just kind of like when something's in a film there's there's like a they're a step away from it too mm-hmm. you know that they're like oh what can I do like nothing yes. you know what I mean like does mm-hmm. that make sense yeah like, I think when you see like on-screen torture just for torture's sake like we've talked about like torture porn before mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of people just feel like they're a step away from it so it doesn't really matter you know mm-hmm. and like that shit abs- it absolutely does matter because that, like some some of those things should not be put out mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah I don't know how to phrase what I'm thinking but yeah that's just my take uh-huh. on it, I guess. Huh. Okay, so it's called okay. the Grand, so Grand Guinol, but mm-hmm. it's it's written by it's written Grand, and then G U I G N O L. So Guignol, if you are a, a, have a coarse American pronunciation, but I'm looking online and it's uh, Grand Guinol. Um, but basically, that was a whole system that was operating in like the lower parts of Paris. That like had mm-hmm. like on stage unsimulated sex, death, like themes of like buckets of blood. It was lo-fi, so it wasn't like it wasn't supposed to be real, which I think is why this theater shines because it's mm-hmm. the most convincing. But it's the most convincing because they're actually murdering ladies on stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's basically terrifying. like those like dark web cam. Yes, like things. That's basically what we have now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To kind of simulate that. And sometimes those people, because I mean, there have been instances as well where like 
people find out, oh, yeah, it was just a joke. I mean, Blair Witch Project, right? That's that's an OG internet example. The Blair Witch Project, when it came out, um, had a really viral marketing campaign. It was one of the first, like, big computer-led uh, guerrilla marketing campaigns, advertising campaigns in history, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, the internet was a newish place, and people were like, how do we monetize you know this how do we how do we use it to drive ad sales this is early days so when mm. blair witch project came out they basically put up uh wanted posters like missing posters of the three characters from the movie and because they were little known actors it was like their first roles nobody was familiar with their faces so mm. people thought it was real multiple places across the world like in america and, and i think in france is one of those places as well where people thought like australia i think this happened too like people thought these people were missing in their city mm-hmm. and like organized searches to look for these people because they thought it was real right like what whole websites devoted to it like mm-hmm. oh hey you know these people went missing in this in this forest blah, blah blah and it was all supposed to be like tongue-in-cheek it was all supposed to be like oh it's for an upcoming movie in fine print at the bottom it was like this is a movie copyright date right like but they didn't make it obvious enough that it was for a movie. And there were a lot of people who were tricked into thinking that these people had gone missing and vanished. So like, yeah, like that's early days of that on the internet. And like, Mm -hmm. there have been, there have been stories uh, definitely that have been uncovered that like people were watching something they thought was sensational, but it actually was the real thing. I mean, down to R Kelly, right. R Kelly was just indicted for additional years in prison Mm -hmm. for the video that, supposedly wasn't of him but and people watched it right like i remember trying to download like the spider-man trailer i was trying to download something that was very innocuous and innocent and some Mm -hmm. monster had decided to put that in the link instead so it was labeled spider-man but when you opened it it wasn't like people used to do that all the time in like the early days of like napster and limewire and morpheus and all those old Mm -hmm. kazaa like all those old downloading torrent sites um they would do that all the time they would put like something horrible in there like that first time i saw salad fingers it was because of that (laughs) Um, Mm. somebody had put like an extra creepy salad fingers gif or something in the link or whatever so yeah so this is what i'm saying like all this to say (laughs) Mm -hmm. all this to say um sometimes people don't want to see it right yeah they want to make excuses because they're busy feeling something right oh well you know what chris brown makes me feel really romantic I love Rihanna and I love him and I don't want to come between them. It's not about coming between anybody. It's not about, oh, I don't want to pick sides. It's not Mm -hmm. about that. He did something fucked up. He's not sorry. He has threatened other women, right? He Mm -hmm. was with a girl. um, She's on uh, that Claws show. I can't remember her name. Mm -hmm. Karuchi Tran. So Mm -hmm. Karuchi Tran dated him after Rihanna. She has a restraining order against him. A blonde model that he was dating after her restraining order against him. He he destroyed yeah. her phone because she said that she had like video of him strangling her friend. So he like destroyed her phone and before it could upload to the cloud. So now there's no record of that. Right. He's like, I didn't do it. You have no proof. But the girl's like, he destroyed my phone. But there's nothing. It's he said, she said, right. There's nothing mm-hmm. that anybody can do. All his entourage collab- corroborates his story. So there's nothing to, you know what I mean? Like there's no way to pursue that. So this is what I'm saying. Like there's there's a lot that people are willing to overlook. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that people are willing to look away from, right. To ignore, yeah. to make excuses for because they're busy feeling their feelings and they mm-hmm. don't want to feel accountable. They don't want to feel like they're a party to something. They don't want to feel like it's their fault. Right. So I yeah. imagine this whole audience at this fucking vampire theater, even though they're seeing something that's horrifying even though they're seeing something that's obviously wrong, the blood is a little too real, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's one of the things Louis says is like, how can anybody be tricked 
by this. She's crying. Like her skin is puckering and dimpling. Like she's, they rip her clothes off in front of everyone. She's standing there naked in front of everybody. She has goose flesh all over her body. Like all her fight responses and flight responses are displayed, Mm -hmm. but everybody's too busy enjoying the show to recognize that this girl is about to get murdered in front of them. And then she does. All those vampires descend from the shadows, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and there are a lot of people in the audience that are breathless, right? Like it's yeah. it's like it's exhilarating, which I can understand. You're sitting there, they're they're giving you maximum creepy vibes, right? You're feeling mm-hmm. you're feeling it. You're in the zone, right? It's terrifying mm-hmm. in there. Like I get it. Like that's awesome. Like I love watching horror movies and feeling absolutely terrified, right? Like it's a really mm-hmm. fun experience. But the line between what is real and what is not has been blurred. And now it's easier for the audience to push it off and push it out of their minds, Mm -hmm. which is how those vampires live in plain sight. Because they're always weird, right? Like they're Mm -hmm. always weird. No one expects them to not be weird. No one expects them to take off the grease paint at the end of the day and just be a normal person. Because whenever they see them, they look like they're in costume. But Mm -hmm. they're not in costume. They're vampires. (laughs) Right? So like to me – it is horribly wrong what they do to the girl, obviously. That's not that's not great. But mm-hmm. I think that it, it was genius of them mm-hmm. to make that mechanic to live in plain sight. It's almost like um like anglerfish, right? Anglerfish mm-hmm. need that light so that they can I mean, anglerfish are like blind, right? I'm pretty sure. Like a lot of them are blind. Lot, lots of creatures at the bottom of the ocean. They they feel they don't like see, right? Because it's dark. Mm-hmm. With the angler, the reason the anglerfish has the light is so he can kind of blend into his surroundings and make another fish think, ooh, that's food, or ooh, that's plankton, ooh, it's bioluminescence, right? So another smaller fish is like, oh, I'll be safe over there because it's not dark like the rest of the, oh, God, I'm in its mouth, right? That's literally yeah. that's literally what they do. They hide in plain sight. Like, like a lot of oceanic creatures do that very well, where you can't tell that there's a predator until you're already bit by this thing. And mm-hmm. I think that's essentially what these vampires are doing, is just hiding in plain sight. And I think for Louis, like, he goes to Paris thinking there's a better way. Mm-hmm. Lestat also hides in plain sight, but as, like, an aristocrat, right? An aristocrat mm-hmm. who is, you know, um, who is very bossy and very foppish and very, like, you know, give me what I want now so that people don't ask questions. When you, when you threaten somebody or you tell somebody what to do versus asking, they don't have time to think. They're just like, yes, right? They, they respond mm-hmm. to you immediately. So, like, that's Lestat's whole M.O., Mm-hmm. And I think Louis was hoping to find something that was going to, like, change his mind about being yeah. a vampire, right? Show him, oh, there's a different way to do this. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, you can coexist with humans peacefully. Because he's like, oh, you're in the biggest city, you know, the fanciest city in the world, right? You're in Paris. Mm-hmm. Like, clearly you must know how to do this. You must know the art of living among humans. And the vampires mm-hmm. are like, yeah, you eat them on stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, "Casual, what the fuck, man? <laughs> Like Armand's like, as one does, I don't understand. Why are you so upset? Like we are gods mm-hmm. and they are lambs. Like this is how the circle of life works, Mufasa. Right. And yeah. Louis is like, no, this isn't what I want. And he's like, I don't know what you want me to tell you, man. Like, I don't know what you want me to say. Yeah. What do well, you want like, from me? <laughs> they can also say that they're like really method actors too. Like, yeah, that guy, I, I think he was in like American Psycho or something. Christian and he Bale. lost. Yeah. Was it him that lost like a shit ton of weight? He was For, like 80 yeah. pounds. For, I think, The Machinist or something like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Like, they could just be yep. like, yeah, we're really into our theater. That's that's exactly what they think. Mm-hmm. That's what the people of the town think, right? They only see them at night. Why? Well, I mean, they're theater actors. 
right? Yeah. Like we might see them during the day, but they're not in costume. Who knows, right? That mm -hmm. air of mystery is something that they can keep because of the profession they've chosen. Like mm -hmm. the whole thing is just so like it's it's so tied up in a little bow, right? Like it's so neatly packaged that like people aren't asking any questions. And Louis is like, what I love in this scene. So first of all, there's a lot of repetition in this scene. Um, critiquing Anne Rice as a and as, as an actual writer, right? As an author. Mm -hmm. I think her story design is good. I think she comes up with great characters. Mm -hmm. I like the internal struggle that Louis is going through, um, especially in, in the wake of having a child who has the complete opposite problem, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's really, really exciting. Like, it's always good to have, like, a big softy and, like, a little vicious guy, right? That's, that's wonderful. Anime mm -hmm. has been drilling down on that archetype for years right mm -hmm. um it, it's never not like either hilarious or poignant or beautiful um mm -hmm. but i think that like she must have said glittering or glitter or sparkle mm -hmm. i think my last count was like 10 times in three pages yeah like it was it was a little it was a little much um, it was a little much for me, uh, when you're talking about the actual writing itself. Like I was surprised, um, because I feel like you would get slapped really hard by your editor for that these days. Um, maybe it was a different time. Yeah. It was 70. I've noticed that. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that writing has evolved a lot. Yeah. You know, whereas mm -hmm. there's things I could write. So like, for example, I'm going to just take Fahrenheit 451 as, mm -hmm an example like that is something we consider a modern classic however it's not good mm -hmm. like this dude wrote it on a typewriter in the 50s that he paid like a like a penny per page or something it mm -hmm. was like basically one draft and just press the submit button mm -hmm. like you would get crucified if you yep. tried to do that today like absolutely we have beta readers we have mm -hmm. like sensitivity testing like sensitivity yep. groups you know there's so many when you go to like i'm i'm just talking about like self-publishing yeah most people who self-publish books still go through beta readers they still mm -hmm. go through like all of this like finite like make sure my book is good before i show it to the world like mm -hmm. of course there's people that still just press the submit button and be like ah whatever i wrote a book but most people don't do that right and like it's just insane to me that like you could kind of get away with anything like prior to the 2000s I'm gonna say mm -hmm. like prior to the 2000s is when they really started cracking down on like making sure you put out good shit because yeah. I think that a lot of people now realize that like writing could be a career path yep. for them like that didn't really seem like a job that people could have for most of the time, unless you were like a cis white man. And now it's like, oh no, anybody can be a writer, but let's make sure that shit's good. You well, know what that's, I mean? that's part of the problem too with self-publishing is mm -hmm. you don't have to go through Penguin or yeah. Scholastic or Random House or whoever, right? They're going to test mm -hmm. the fuck out of your stuff and they're not going to have to pay a bunch of money to do it. If you self-publish, it reward, it almost rewards you for your your cut corners like I remember one of the first editing jobs one of the first freelance editing jobs I got when I started to pivot my career into writing was uh this they're actually a pretty popular romance novelist um and they have like a series about a millionaire it's like millionaires type of things right like mm -hmm. so you meet this millionaire and blah 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 
So Can you tell me Fifty Shades of Grey is who you were working for. No, 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 <laughs> no, not not mainstream high profile. More like they sell a lot of books on like Amazon, right? Okay. Um, so like Kindle books and stuff. So I I, I had a job uh, editing their stuff, and I remember I'm reading it right, and I'm correcting their grammar and their tense and all that stuff, and I'm you know pointing out inconsistencies and whatever, and I'm making notes as I go through, mm-hmm. and I got to a part that was like a little weird about race. Like they were saying mm-hmm. some weird stuff. Like they traveled to an Asian country and there was some stuff that they said that like wasn't great. Um, and they said something that wasn't like amazing about like like one of like the black stewards or something like that, right? Of their mm-hmm. like ship or their cabin or whatever the crap. And it wasn't like horrible, but like it certainly wasn't great. And I was like, listen, this would turn me off as a reader. If I saw this and I and I bought this book, I'd ask for a refund. Yeah. And the author's response was basically like, Well, I don't offer refunds. It wasn't, let me fix that. It wasn't, I can see how that would be a problem. Thank you so much. It was, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter if it's good. Like, they're like, it just needs yeah. to be edited so that the grammar's not bad. And then I went to all their pages, right? And the number one complaint was horrible grammar, horrible spelling, horrible editing. Mm. Over and over and over again. Idea wasn't bad. Story wasn't bad. Content wasn't bad. But the rest of it was just, like, atrocious. It's really difficult yeah. to get through. So that's why they chose to hire me to edit, right? Mm-hmm. So, like... It, it, I feel like self-publishing sometimes, especially if you already have an audience, right? If there's a group of friends that you have that support you or, you know, mm-hmm. a group of people that really want to read your stuff. Sometimes it can kind of trick you into not editing as much. And I feel like yeah. that's kind of how things were, like you said, back in the day. Like with Anne Rice, um, when you read her other books, I'm pretty sure Interview with the Vampire is like her first big published piece. When you mm-hmm. read like The Witching Hour, right? Like the first Witching Hour book is similar length to Interview with the Vampire. It's like 500, 600 pages, right? Or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like a thick, it's a thick bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you get to the second and third novels in that series, they're much, much slimmer. Um, and I kind of feel like that's because the first book, she was like, don't edit it. I'm a big talent. This is what I want, right? But I think for the mm-hmm. second and third, somebody was like, hey. Yeah. let you, We trust you. You trust us. Let me add it, right? Because it was much more succinct. And I think that, like, brevity is something that, especially now that we have, you know, Twitter and very everything is short form on social media, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's harder for people to write long form. Um, and when you do, it starts getting kind of like, I don't know, um, you also make more money just split it you know? into two, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's the thing. Like, if you don't know how to craft, like, a plot hook mm-hmm. to be able to find a logical place to put your split between breaking up your ridiculously long. And that's the thing, too. Like, I think it also comes down to the skill of the writer. Like, Mists of Avalon is a Bible. Like, that book is chunky, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you ever decide you want to read Mists of Avalon, first of all, I'm down. Second of all, um, it is... A buff bitch. Okay. It is yeah. big. And um, it's great. It's well written. It's beautiful. But it is like the print is small and the book is big. <laughs> um, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's an epic. It's mm-hmm. it's telling the story of King Arthur from the women's perspective. Like it's an epic novel. Mm-hmm. But it's long as fuck and it's serious. Yeah. It does not feel as repetitive as Interview with the Vampire, which I'd argue probably has 25 to 30% fewer pages. Have you read so, Legendborn yet? No, but it's on the list. I don't like currently reading it right now, just because you said Mist of Avalon, and I looked up what that was. Mm-hmm. Bump it up. Bump it up. Okay. If you like that, you're going to like this. Awesome. 
lots of Arthurian stuff in it. I haven't finished Ooh. it yet, so I don't know if it gets like it's already good, but I don't know if it's like going to continue to get better. But I'm like halfway through it. That sounds very exciting. Yeah, and like Heck yeah, I, I think the thing you're probably going to find the most interesting, like you're probably going to relate to. Um, I mean, is that like there is a lot of conversation about basically this little social group she's forced herself into um, mm-hmm. to get like answers um, is all white people. And so like she like to the point where I think I think it's really good to read for someone who is like white because mm-hmm. it kind of shows you the other's perspective. Um, in the way of like to the point of she gets introduced to like the group and like Mm -hmm. she doesn't have a family name like everybody else does she doesn't Mm -hmm. have all this like lineage stuff and then they're like and this is our most diverse group yet looking pointedly at her Mm. which like been there (laughs) yeah like for i feel like most people um like most poc will be like yeah obviously i've been there like a lot of white people will be like ah uh, I remember yourself... the day that people said that Candace was diverse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think it's a really good read and it's like a fun way that like to get a different perspective if you haven't yeah. like, had that kind of experience, you know? Awesome. Okay. Like it doesn't feel like it's punching not up. I don't know. Which way yeah. would you be punching if you're like it's not punching. It feels like know. it's punching Whatever. up and not down. So yeah, like, it has the Coretta Scott King Award too, which is always a pretty solid. Uh, yeah, it's really good. Awesome. Okay. I don't know I'll much probably... about the author, but I think overall. I have a uh, gift card to Barnes and Noble that I will be using mm. to purchase this. Yeah, get it. You're you're gonna like it. It's mm. it's been a very good read thus far. Oh, and there's two of them. Yeah, okay. they just came out with the second one. Not too long ago. Awesome. Best. Yeah, let me know when you read it and like live tweet me your thoughts because I want to know. I love it. Whew. Okay. And there's queer folks in it. That sounds great. Yes. There is also, I think I told you that there's like a non-binary person in there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very excited for that. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Okay. You've sold me. Yeah, it's it's been really good so far, and I'm only halfway through it. Like, I was supposed to have finished it by now, but, like, life, you know? Um, oh, yeah. But I I don't get enough Arthurian. Is it pronounced Arthurian? I've decided it is, but I'm not convinced. Yeah, Arthurian. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've not gotten enough of that in my life. Like, I was obsessed with Merlin growing up, and I feel yeah. like I just want to bring that back. Like, we're going, this is the year that everything that I was obsessed with as a child we're bringing back to the forefront. So we got Do vampires. It. We yeah. got magic we got Same. our theory and legends apparently yep. because all of that yeah i need it i just need it in my yeah. life there's nothing wrong with that i feel the exact same way um do yourself a favor go to disney plus and watch yourself some sword in the stone it holds okay. up if you, i don't know if you've I've seen never it, seen it before actually you've never seen the sword mm-hmm. in the stone no oh my god oh my god rachel rachel first of all it's hilarious okay yeah. it's gonna be one of the funniest disney movies like i would argue for me, the number one funniest and most hilarious Disney movie, hands down, is Emperor's New Groove. Oh yeah, you won't you won't talk me out of it. No one can disprove it. 
It is the funniest Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Number two, close second for me, Sword mm-hmm. in the Stone. Okay. That movie has laughs and laughs and more laughs. There's transformation, right? Mm-hmm. Both emotional and physical transformations. There's uh, no, there's only one kiss and it is between two squirrels. Uh, there's a conversation about consent. Nice. There is uh, like a like a, a a triumphant story within it as well. It's great. It's wonderful. And there is one of the best Disney villains of all time that does not get near her share of mm-hmm. appreciation, Madame Mim. Also in my top three Disney villains. It's Maleficent, Ursula, oh, I love Madame Maleficent. Mim. And I love yeah. Ursula. Well, that's what I'm saying. You're going to love Madame okay. Mim. She's great. I got to watch this. She's spectacular. There's there's a wizard's duel that doesn't involve mm-hmm. weird sprays of colored jizz magic like the yeah. turf books. Um, it's great. It's wonderful. So definitely do yourself a favor. Take a gander at that. Uh, there's mm-hmm. also Merlin with Sam Neill. That was a TV movie that is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a Mists of Avalon TV movie miniseries thing that is not very good. Uh, it's not bad, but it's not as good as the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of those I highly recommend to you if you are going on this journey. Um, I love Arthurian stuff. I've been obsessed with King Arthur and his knights and all that stuff um, mm-hmm. for forever. The Once and Future King is a good read if you like that. That's what Sword in the Stone is based on. The very mm-hmm. first book of The Once and Future King, because like, it's split into four like almost novella type situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first book is The Sword in the Stone, and that's what the Disney version is based on. Okay. Mm-hmm. Really good. Really good stuff. I'm excited. Yeah. I need to make time to watch more TV because I don't watch enough. Like, I'm always going, going, going. Mm-hmm. So I, I really want to make time to turn my little brain off and watch a little bit of TV. Even if I do it while I'm working or something. Yeah. I like watching TV now more than I did before because you can curate it. Mm-hmm. Like, I know we're going to watch the Interview with the Vampire television show so mm-hmm. that we can talk about it and compare it to the book. Um, very excited for that. It's Me on too. AMC and they've, they've been doing right. AMC has been doing an all right job other than keeping the walking dead around for, for entirely too long. AMC yeah. has been doing a good job with their television. Killing Eve is spectacular um, or was spectacular. It's over now, but um, I like making time for television because I feel like it teaches me how to write better. Like yeah. I study the dialogue rather than just sitting there and like kind of letting it be passive, like be passive about receiving the information. Um, I talk a lot about it. Like my partner and I will sit down and like have full on conversations about what we just watched Mm -hmm. and what it means. And, oh, but look at this thread. And, you know, like I just finished watching um, Andor on Star, uh, the Star Wars show Andor on Disney Mm -hmm. Plus. And um, I was able to guess the ending like three episodes before it finished. My partner was like, how did you do that? But like, that's part of it for me, right? Like I watch TV and movies the way that I read books. Like I always Mm -hmm. try to like do analyses when I'm done. Because that, to me, is how you actually get something from it. Like, movies and TV are art just like anything else, right? They're still Mm -hmm. trying to make you feel something. They're still trying to get you to understand something, right? Um, Abbott Elementary is a show that's really doing that, but with comedy added. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people were like, oh, it's just The Office, but, like, set at a black school. It has a similar makeup of The Office because it's like a documentary crew is following them around. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's really where the similarities kind of end. Um, especially now that we're in season two, there's a lot of moments that are teachable moments for people that are absolutely gorgeous um, and very well written and beautiful. 
Um, and I think that like, that's my favorite part about this like golden age of media that we're in right now where there's like a lot, there's a lot of bad shit out there, right? There's like 18,000 real housewives. No judgment if you like that. Everybody needs their bullshit sometimes. Um, but like there's dance moms, you know what I mean? There's like the 40th survivor season, like there's trash television on, right? Mm -hmm. There's popcorn that come out all the time. Sure. Not everything is going to be fucking everything everywhere all at once. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you get a movie, like everything everywhere all at once, that's both fantasy sci-fi right popcorny but has like a very deep and gorgeous message that transcends gender sexuality and race ethnicity like that's some magic okay that's magic to me and i'm so captivated by it which is why i think i was so eager to read this book with you again because say what you want about this book it has inspired generations of authors right like it has inspired so much media it's inspired so much pop culture just the glittering alone like part of the reason i brought up her repetition of glittering and sparkling is because that is 1000 percent where fucking stephanie meyer got her glittery vampires from i'm telling you right now like i will die on this hill until the end of time stephanie meyer can say whatever she wants i don't care right just like that Mm -hmm. lady who wrote the hunger Games says it's not based on battle royale it absolutely is right (laughs) yeah like i think that like for me when i see twilight and how the vampires are like have diamondy skin and they sparkle that is 110 percent derived from Anne rice's descriptions of vampires the only difference is that Mm -hmm. like she means like a metaphorical sparkle right the light reflects Mm -hmm. off their skin not like a faceted gem the way they do in twilight where they're like all like glittery in the sun not like that but like in a the way marble shines when Mm -hmm. the sun illuminates it right it's a natural rock it's a natural material there's a translucence to it that makes it gives it this kind of ethereal and kind of glowing quality but she's using the words sparkle or glitter when kind of getting that Mm -hmm. point across but I'm I am like ninety nine point nine percent sure that's why the vampires sparkle in those books. I and also that think Claudia. I think Claudia yeah. was the OG baby vampire that she wrote. Yes, like Absolutely. I will not believe. Like she has to have said yeah. that she takes, and which is fine. Like you can be inspired by other things. That's totally yeah. fine. But well, I mean, I think it started out as fanfic anyway. Like it was probably interviewed vampire fanfic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know Probably. what I mean like if you think about Kristen Stewart's character like if you think about Bella Swan like granted there's no like love triangle in Interview with the Vampire but like her whole like I'm a human it's hard like that's very yeah. Louis like that's yeah. very Louis moping around being emo writing in your diary crying about how you got to kill people like that's 110% that and mm-hmm. yeah Renesmee first of all terrible name second of all Renesmee 110% Claudia like down to the mm-hmm. Auburn curls the way she's described, right? The way she's mm-hmm. written. Mm-hmm. Like it's, this book has had, has inspired countless pieces of work to come. Mm-hmm. So much so that again, as we've talked about before, AMC is making their own Anne Rice cinematic universe for their next wave of television shows, right? The mm-hmm. witching hour comes out. If it's not out already, it's coming out probably in the next two or three months. So yeah, I, th- I think I know Mayfair witches is out. Oh yeah, that's what it is then. Okay, the witch- yeah, the Witching Hour is the first book in the Mayfair Witches trilogy. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, because I saw something about it when I was doing research for like book lists and like mm-hmm. stuff. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's already out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying though. Like, she 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 really did redefine the genre and was a very big celebrity uh, celebrity author for a while too. Like we discussed mm-hmm. last time, her son and how he's a he's a He's a not so popular anymore. He was more popular around the 2000s. Uh, mm-hmm. Christopher Rice uh, as a queer 
author, like a gay mm-hmm. author. However, um, I remember there was an episode of The Real World. The Real World kind of came back and for a while they were gone, I think, on MTV in like the 90s. Like they kept doing their shows. But then they were like, no, we're yeah. doing like The Real World. And they had one that was, um, I feel like Seattle was like the first one they came back on. I remember um, Real or, World. Yeah. So there was a Real World season where they go to New Orleans. It's Real World New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, notably, notable cast members from that season, uh, The Miz, The Wrestler. I don't know if you've heard of him. But I'm he's... so bad with pop culture. I don't know what's going on ever. <laughs> it's it's okay. so bad. I know. I know enough for both of us. Um, Thank you. Because <laughs> so anytime something is... happens, I'll just send it to you and be like, help. Yeah, please feel free. Yeah. I, if it's if something I don't know about, I'd love to learn about it because someone's mm-hmm. inevitably going to ask me. Um, the Miz is like one of the like bigger names in wrestling in the last like 15, 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people like him. He has toys and stuff like he's a personality uh that people really have flocked to um but before he was the miz he was this dude on mtv's real world new orleans and he was like i just want to be a pro wrestler and he would go around the house and like do his wrestling voice and whatever so like if you watch the real world and you Mm -hmm. you see wrestling now it's like is that that guy and yes it is um it's really cry it's really crazy cry if someone (laughs) it's so bizarre it's like it's cool but like yeah weird all i'm imagining is someone published like my 2014 fanfic that will never see the light of the day and then i'm yeah. like flash forward like 20 years later and like and now she's a popular like adult author yeah and i'd be like kill me please back from the internet just... no like are you insane? yo it's really so no lie it's really hard to find that season yeah. like yeah Hulu has it has real world streaming, and that's not one of the seasons. Like I, I have not seen that streaming anywhere, um, mm-hmm. and I kind of wonder if that's part of why. Uh, it wasn't a bad show. Like I remember why it was like one of the first real worlds that I was allowed to watch because I was old enough to watch it. Like my mom, my mom mm-hmm. and dad wouldn't let me have MTV until I was sixteen. So, um, I had a nice time watching. It was good, mm-hmm. but like one of the highlights of that season, and one of the ways that I was able to bribe myself into being able to watch it, is because they have a whole episode where they go visit Anne Rice. Like, it's an Anne Rice yeah. episode. And, like, everybody that's, like, the cast and everything, the whole house is like, oh, my God, it's Anne Rice, you guys. She's an icon. And she's there, like, hey, guys, I'm Anne Rice. And they're like, that's oh, my so goodness. Cool. And it's a big deal. So, like, I remember as a kid, I was like, oh, Anne Rice, right? Like, she was mm-hmm. a big celebrity artist, like, for a while. Like, a big celebrity author for a minute um, in pop culture. But, like, sort of started to fade. Like, she had nothing to do with Queen of the Damned. It doesn't have Tom Cruise in it. Um, mm. As a matter of fact, like, I don't know if you're going to want to watch Queen of the Dam because it's not super duper related to this book. Like, it's mostly about Lestat. After uh, this book, after Interview the Vampire, it goes Vampire Lestat, I think Tales of the Body Thief, and then Queen of the Dam, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Or you might want to switch those two at the end. I can't remember which one is three and which one is four because it's been many, many moons. Mm-hmm. But um, the rest of the series kind of focuses on Lestat. Like, this is about Louis. Um the next like two to three books is really more about Lestat, what happened to him, what he's been mm-hmm. going through, how things were, etc. And um, Akasha, he finds Akasha because he wants to, like he wants to know more um, about like his past and his heritage and stuff. So it's like all about his adventures and stuff like that. But um, if you want to watch Queen of the Damned, we can, we can, we can throw that in too. <laughs> So we can talk about how different list because it's like a totally different version of Lestat. And I yeah. think Anne Rice was mad about it. Like, I don't think she was into the new version, like the newest because Queen of the Damned is like the newest movie that they made, mm-hmm. um, even though that came out in like 2000 something like 2001. 
but um she was like famously like no i hate it she wrote <laughs> the like screenplay for interview with the vampire yeah but refuses to be interested in this shitty version which i get it it's bad i'm mm-hmm. not gonna lie to you there are people who are gonna be listening to this right now going candace stop that movie is so bad listen it is mm-hmm. it's not good mm-hmm. but also it's great so <laughs> <laughs> if you like alternative music mm-hmm. and black sexy black vampires mm-hmm. it's definitely the movie for you i'm, I'm not pretty sold already Listen, it's it's so bad, but it's really good at the same time. Like, it's really bad. Okay. The whole soundtrack I... is by Jonathan Davis from Korn. Like, it's oh, great. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's okay. So, it's so good. Oh, my God. It's really yeah. bad, but it's really good. <laughs> See, I'm... Okay, I love really trashy vampire. Like, oh, you think you're going to love this? Yes. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of obsessed. Like, the original... Um, What was that show I was telling you about? The... With the Dampier vampires. I can't remember. But um Damn it. Vampire Academy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The original one, the original TV show yeah. movie, whatever it was. Terrible. Movie. Yeah. God awful. Yeah. I remember getting horrible reviews. When you were like, Oh, I'm watching Vampire Academy, I was like The TV show's a lot <laughs> better. But like <laughs> like I mentioned, there's definitely some like weird racism in like with the dampiers versus like i can't remember what they call them but they're basically like half half human half not like half vampire so there's Mm -hmm. like some weird racism and like classism jobs shit but Mm -hmm. like i love it i don't know i can't not watch it like i don't know i don't know what's wrong with me but i love like trashy television like I'd, I'd like to turn my little brain off and just like mm-hmm. get fixed in that's okay it's, listen yeah. we we all this is what i'm saying we all need our bullshit show okay mm-hmm. what i like is when a bullshit show turns into actually a pretty good fucking show yeah. for me that was the magicians i watched the magicians and i was like this is hot garbage i'm never gonna like this and then two seasons in i was like i must watch more like mm-hmm. <laughs> you become a little goblin for it um and i'm okay yeah. with that you gotta find peace i'm i am hoping though that there's going to be more substance to this interview with the vampire because they really do seem to have been thinking about it and the fact that they kind of teleport the story to like the 1900s instead Mm -hmm. of keeping it like in the 17 and 1800s like this is primarily set i think is great especially because they make louis a black man which i'm very excited to see how they do that i know i it's really so many questions i'm heavily considering skipping the movie just to go straight to the TV show because I'm a little too excited. You know what I mean? I, if you if you want to watch the TV show and then the movie, yeah, I'm all for it. As a matter of fact, okay. if you want to watch the TV show, then watch the movie and Queen of the Dam so that we can have a conversation about how ridiculous Lestat mm-hmm. is in the latter. I'm totally okay with that. Okay. And then we can do both movies in one pod. Okay, that sounds good because I really need to see this TV show and I'm just way too yeah, excited same. to like... Same same the only reason i haven't already watched it is because i knew i was going to watch it with you and yeah. i'm like terrified it's going to be bad so if it's bad i don't want to have to watch it again so I'm, i've fair. been sitting here waiting and like as you know we have been on this journey for a minute and mm-hmm. the show came out and i was like and jason was like do you want to watch it and i was like no i'm waiting for rachel <laughs> i want to do it again where we do it episode per episode yes like, yeah okay because i feel like that's the best way because we talk too much we do talk too much. Uh, hopefully these listeners don't mind. Um, it's fine. <laughs> but I do think that um, 
what's nice about going episode to episode, what was nice about going episode to episode on Kindred, uh, even mm-hmm. though it was a horrible experience other than being able to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I got an I think- ad for Kindred. Ew, for Black no. History Month from Hulu. Get out of here. They no, that is not how you the... celebrate Black History Month. I was just, <laughs> I was shaken to my core because there's like a bunch oh of God. like, you know, black led movies. And I was yeah. like, okay, okay. And then it said Kindred. And I was like, Ugh! sorry. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, what I do like though, what I'm excited for that format is because I do think that this show does seem to take its time. Like that's why they mm-hmm. made it a show so that mm-hmm. they could take their time going through the material and having these like bits and pieces from the mm-hmm. book show up in the show. So I'm very excited. I don't know where they're going to end either. Like I imagine it's probably like Kindred where they're not going to put the whole book in like as a miniseries. It's probably mm-hmm. going to be until maybe they leave Lestat. I'd imagine. Cause I know in the yeah. trailer you see Claudia. So we at least get Claudia, but Claudia is with them for a while before Lestat is out of the picture. So yeah, I do. I do wonder. I imagine they probably don't get to France by the end of the show because I think it's only like at eight to twelve, eight either mm-hmm. eight or ten episodes. I think in a season. And I know that it's going to be like kind of a reimagining, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Like I'm cool with it. I'm excited to see it yeah. because it looks like the cast is like, from what I've seen, is pretty diverse, which is exciting mm-hmm. because yeah. I feel like you always run into this issue with vampires where they're like, I think we have to cast white people, and you're like, you don't, no, you please. really don't. You know, you do not. You do not. Black people can be pale. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I totally feel that. Um, Octavia Butler's book, Fledgling, uh, I think I've mentioned it before, is about mm-hmm. black vampires. Um, they're probably never going to make a movie out of that, which is fine. Um, her vampire is 12. Yeah, I still need to restart that. woman. I started the audiobook so. and I couldn't get into it. There's some things that I just don't like as an audiobook. The narrator, because I've listened to the audiobook of it as well. The narrator is not great. Yeah. People really like Bonnie Turpin. I don't mind Bonnie Turpin. I just mm-hmm. have a hard time with her voice sometimes. Like, it's just too, I don't know. There's like a tone in her voice sometimes that makes it hard for me to pay attention. So I had to listen to it on my lunch break. Yeah. Like, I had to, like, take 30 minutes a day and drive around and to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and even There's- then, I kind of supplemented with reading the book. There is this one, there's this voice actor that keeps showing up on a lot of the YA books I mm-hmm. read, and he's a male voice actor, and every time he talks, he makes it sound like a question, and it's uh, oh, I don't like really that. hard, and he like talks like it's a question, and I'm like, I can't, like, every sentence ends with a question mark, and it's really hard for me to listen to him, but, like, I consume audiobooks a lot. Mm-hmm. like at least at the time i did because i was working out a lot and i was walking and i was driving a lot so mm-hmm. i had a lot of audiobooks going on yeah and he was really ruining it he's really killing my vibe because i can't handle people that talk like that i find that your your vo actor can really make or break pretty much anything like mm-hmm. if you've listened to interview the vampire the audiobook uh mm-hmm. the man who voices it has a very kind of strong accent mm-hmm it, he doesn't sound the way that I would imagine Louis sounding at all. It's very mm-hmm. weird to hear him, especially if you like have seen Interview with the Vampire the movie and you think of Louis as like Brad Pitt. Like it's really difficult because mm-hmm. his voice is just not. Uh, same thing with Game of Thrones. The guy who reads for Game of Thrones has like a very kind of like, I don't know, the way he says black is weird. He doesn't say like black mm-hmm. or black, right? Which is like how you'd say it. If you were British, you'd say black, right? Mm-hmm. Like with a, with a long A. Um, but he says blick, like B L E K or something. <laughs> so he's like 
Cal Drogo was up on his destria. Black is night. His hair was black. The night was black. The horse, black. And you're like, what am I listening to? Um, people can really make or break your audiobook. One of the best audiobooks I've ever listened to in my entire life, hands down, and have returned to multiple times. Mists mm -hmm. um, of Avalon is pretty great. Mm -hmm. But like World War Z. Yeah. I mean, master level audiobook. I've only seen they the movie. hire. So it's nothing like the movie. The movie has nothing to do with the book, really. The movie okay. takes like a piece of the World War Z ideology and makes mm -hmm. it like Brad Pitt's story. But like the book is actually a collection. It's so the book is kind of like a mockumentary <laughs> kind of okay. um, where it is Max Brooks, who is the son of uh, Mel Brooks, the famous comedian. Mm -hmm. um, so Max Brooks uh, or Albert Brooks, I think, is his dad. Albert Brooks is his dad. I think Mel Brooks is his great is his grandfather. Okay. Um, so Same. basically, I was like, Mel Brooks is pretty old, but go yeah, off. Yeah, he's very really old. Uh, <laughs> so like, uh, so Max Brooks essentially, uh, it, it's almost like he's himself, and he's mm -hmm. like, yeah, when the zombie war came, you know, there were a lot of survivors, and you know, these are their stories, basically. So mm -hmm. like, the book is written like it's a chronicle of a journalist going all over the world to talk to people about like, where were you the day that the zombie war happened? What happened? What highlight do you have from the zombie war now that it is over? So it's like post. This mm -hmm. thing happening. We've gotten it under control. We're living our lives now. Let's talk about how things were. Mm -hmm. So each story is a very different portrayal. Some of them are day one, right? Some of them are like, you know, oh, I saw patient zero, which like when you see patient zero in World War Z, when they go to, I think, South Korea, I think they're like in a like a South Korean hospital or something like that. And you see mm -hmm. the, the guy who was infected. It's it's taken from the book. That's like okay. one of the parts that's taken from the book. Um, but basically it's like vignettes. So each chapter is like a little like smidgy chapter and it like goes through what this person did and what they saw, what happened, blah, blah, blah. The World War Z audiobook, they hire like 30 to 40 different actors to wow. narrate every single one. None of them have a repeat VO. That's actor. so cool. It's yeah. awesome because you're listening to it. And like, sometimes you're like, is that Henry Rollins? Is that Alfred Molina? Right? Like sometimes you can pick out like who the voices are. Mm -hmm. It's that common, right? But sometimes you don't and you're just like, in, it's enthralling. Like it's so interesting. All of the stories really come together in um, a beautiful way. It's just very well thought out. And like I've found that ensemble VOs are something that I think are very intriguing but have to be done the right way. Like the Golden Compass, mm -hmm. that's an ensemble uh, reading not good in my opinion had a terrible time listening to it love the book yeah i tried That's to watch the movie of that one read. i think mm -hmm. I oh like the it. movie's terrible okay did you read this the, the trilogy mm -hmm. i've never read highly it. recommended okay great series great I, I series think when it came yeah. out i knew there was a book series behind it mm -hmm. but it was at that point in in that point in time i didn't have a lot of time for reading so i was like sure. let me watch the show and if it's good i'll read the book you yeah, know. I heard the show is not bad. I, I haven't the, watched the show yet. I meant the, the movie. movie is not good. Yeah, yeah with with Nicole Kidman. No, mm -hmm. wouldn't recommend. Like, mm, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Uh, the mm -hmm. show, though, I heard is really good. I do plan to start the show at some point. It's like that, and the it's called like the Legend of Something, but it came out. It's like with owls, and it's supposed to be based oh yeah on a, mm -hmm. yeah it's supposed to be based on a book series. It's supposed to be Hunters? really really good. 
I think it's called like Hunters or something like that. I know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. it has an owl on the cover. There's like different yeah. versions of them and stuff. Kind of like that cat series. The Warrior Cats? Yeah. I'm obsessed. Like that, with but with owls. Cats. Yeah. 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 The mm-hmm. Warrior Cats. Um, so fun fact for you. Uh, Nova and I are making a second podcast mm-hmm. um, called Novel and Nostalgia. Where we're revisiting books from our childhood. The first Ooh. book series we're doing is Warrior, like the first uh, eight Warrior Cats. Yeah, you got to get in some Animorphs, too. People listen to the fuck out of that. Animorphs yeah. is starting to make a big comeback hard. Like, somebody just did a t- an Animorphs TTRPG the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never read Animorphs. Me either. I didn't get yeah. into it. I was a Goosebumps kid, though. I wanted to be a Goosebumps kid, but I didn't have access to Goosebumps books. So, I never got to be a Goosebumps kid. Ah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. They were real good. I might just... Revisit just that. read them now yeah why not i mean whatever <laughs> just start with the first one start with the old ones because mm-hmm. like i will say like having read so a big book for me when i was younger was the midnight club which mm-hmm. was just turned into a tv show on netflix by mike flanagan mm-hmm. and um he's the guy that did bly manor and the haunting of hill house mm-hmm. uh he's great at his job he's great at what he does um the show is not bad it's not what i remember they made a lot of changes to the original text which is fine um but the book itself was big for me mm-hmm. like christopher pike was huge for me i read like at least 50 percent of his catalog um and i remember when i was uh when i was young like those books were like spicy <laughs> like they were it was like super spicy ya like it was like trashy paperback romance novel but for teenagers mm-hmm. um the first time that i ever saw the word orgy in a book or in life uh, mm-hmm. other than the band was a christopher pike novel and my mom was like what are you reading you know that you're on the right track when your parent is like what the fuck are you reading yeah because then you're like you can't take this book from me other kids don't read you can't you can't steal my books it's the only thing that keeps me going and it's healthy to read and you're supposed to be reading for school and i'm going to tell everybody you took my books from me and then your parent is like fine i guess i won't take your book then because you're right it's important that you read and you're like good give me my smut yeah thank you <laughs> don't look at it <laughs> yeah. you don't need to know the interview with the vampire is talking about teenage boys freely giving blood and erections you don't need to know that mom like <laughs> oh my god when my mom had jury duty when i was like in eighth grade or whatever when twilight had just come out i had read all the books mm-hmm. and then she went to jury duty and she's like i need something to do so i heard twilight's Uh-oh. pretty good stole twilight from me and then she's like, did you read these scenes in Breaking Dawn? And I told her that I totally just skipped the chapters. <laughs> and she believed me. So back to the theater, though. If uh-huh. you want to talk about the theater. So they rip the girl's clothes off. Mm-hmm. She's crying. Mm-hmm. They lay her out on the floor. Mm-hmm. She's trying to fight. The rest of the vampires come out on stage, all looking terrifying with black hair and super pale skin. They descend upon her. Mm-hmm. and eat her and that's essentially the scene right and people that, leave it just ends it's done right mm-hmm. it's over it's just anyway so then like louis and claudia are sitting up in like the balcony and like claudia is just like what the fuck and louis mm-hmm. is like i don't know <laughs> what is going on here i'm very confused mm-hmm. and he like looks down at the end of the row and santiago is there waiting for him with like this nasty look on his face and he's like i'm not trying to deal with this guy mm-hmm. so then like this beautiful vampire who came out at the end 
of the scene and kind of like got the girl to calm down like Mm -hmm. he has like this auburn glossy auburn hair and is like has spanish features all beautiful and shit and uh he comes upstairs and like kicks santiago's ass and is like get out of here and then takes louis down to the study introduces himself as as armand Mm -hmm. and it's like okay so and i've you know new 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 character enters the chat Mm -hmm. um and armand is there and they go to his study and like he's like trying to be I don't know. I feel like I've never truly gotten a good read on Armand. I feel like that's on purpose. Um, But like, he's so aloof. Yeah. Like, he's just like, I don't know. He's like a weird walking conundrum. I don't know. He's a, Armand is a confusing character because he's like got the dark and mysteriousness, the darkness and mysteriousness of like an angel from Buffy. Mm -hmm. But like, he's what I I imagine. Like, early age philosophers where they just kind of look up the sky and like question things yeah yeah i could see that i could see that energy i got with armand yeah could totally see that um it's super weird but like louis basically is like so what do you know (laughs) tell me about being a vampire or whatever and armand's like "Mm." (laughs) louis's Mm -hmm. like what do you mean he gets yeah. so upset Armand's just like we just exist bro like we're vampires and then he tells him he's the oldest living vampire at 400 years old which like just doesn't sound right yeah, to me. yeah. you're only 400 years old I feel no. like that's not a long time I, all like, I'm saying I'm- is there has to be an OG that's like been around since the first vampire ever walked the earth and has become a recluse yeah. you know yeah because well, I mean, if you think about it, right, like, America is, like, barely 300, like, almost 300 years old, right? Mm-hmm. America is, like, a baby when compared to other countries. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to tell me this vampire is, because at that time, I think it was the, the, I think there was a centennial around 76. Yeah, seven, mm-hmm. 1976. So America turned 200 years old, um, probably around the time that this book was published mm-hmm. um, or right, right before the book was published. Mm-hmm. So, like knowing that right that means that armand is twice as old as america Mm -hmm. which i'm like that doesn't seem that old yeah like not even a century Mm -mm. all right like like more than more than like two centuries like two centuries old doesn't seem prominent right yeah i feel like 800 is like look at you daddy vampire you know yeah but like 400 Like, Good I feel him, like though, I guess. that's when you're entering adulthood as a vampire. You know, that's when yeah. you're like, okay, at that point, realistically, you've had, like, five lifetimes to live. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the first two as a vampire is you build your wealth. Yeah. No. Okay, rephrase. Your first lifetime as a vampire is when you go on your killing spree. There you go. This next two are you building your wealth. Mm-hmm. Your fourth... One is when you like really start to like chill out for a second. Yeah. And then your fifth is the one where you go on a lot of weird vacations and blow through most of your money. So I feel like Armand is like somewhere in between like, like he's built his wealth. He has a home. He has a permanent location. Mm -hmm. He's got a solid racket. Right. But like he doesn't have the control of an older vampire or Santiago wouldn't fucking try him all the time. Yeah. I think Santiago honestly is like the weakest link for Armand. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that, like, because he, he has such disdain. Like, he shit-talks Armand. Like, I mean, Armand shit-talks Santiago, like, while they're in their his study together. 
-hmm. like louis is looking around at the walls of like art and stuff like that because there's paintings and shit everywhere and Mm -hmm. there's like devils and he's like we're devils and armand is like what's wrong with you there's no god and louis like how do you know he's like i mean i'm 400 years old Mm -hmm. there was a god i'm pretty sure someone would have struck me down already Mm -hmm. i'm just sitting here fucking thumb up my butt like what are we doing right (laughs) louis is like we're devils it's the children of satan he's like how are you holding on to this? And Claudia is just like, I'm embarrassed. Right? Claudia's in the corner, like, mm, I don't know him. I don't right? Know him. I feel sorry for this man. I do not know this man. I don't know. Um, but like, I feel like very true to what you're saying. Like, mm-hmm. he's about to go on like the crazy vacations. Like, that's where mm-hmm. he needs to go, right? Like, he seems to be looking for a way out because again, I think he knows that this group of vampires has kind of like outclassed, not outclassed, mm-hmm. but like out crazied him you know mm-hmm. what i mean like they're not as adjusted as he is which like even though they're older i'm dying to know how old santiago is personally i he like, has i, like to, I think he's as young as louis is in my yeah. thing yeah he's you know he's in his goth era like for him you can tell it's a phase like mostly for you're like oh you're actually goth but for mm-hmm. santiago and his little groupies he thinks you have to be goth to be a vampire Oh my god, when he, when Louis realizes they all look the same because they all dye their fucking hair black. <laughs> they shit talk Claudia's dress. They're like, what's going on with this pastel dress? Mm-hmm. What are you guys doing? And it's like, I love how like bougie they are because mm-hmm. like they have a bunch of shit to say, right? Like just like nonstop just fucking clowning on Louis and, mm-hmm. and Claudia, right? Like nonstop. Even, even the compliments are shitty, right? Like even the compliments are like, your hair is nice and everything, but like, hmm right like they're still like just nasty about it and rude but like they're shitty to louis and fucking claudia because they're just like don't you know how vampires dress we are an aesthetic bitch right Mm -hmm. but then like louis and claudia are like aren't you hiding in plain sight that's what we're doing right like what are you saying santiago's like asking louis a million questions like that got so scary for me like the moment when santiago is like he like pretends that he's sad right like louis flees from armand's um study Mm -hmm. and because like armand is not giving him the answers he wants and he's like all fucking struck dumb by the fact that things are never going to change you're never going to get better and it's like you're a vampire of course things are never going to change yeah you don't change everything else changes around you right like that's Mm -hmm. the nature of the vampire so he gets all emo and runs off into the distance like whoa it's me Uh why won't anyone understand me i don't understand lisa's daughter with them i'm like terrible plan buddy hello right so he goes out into like the open or whatever and santiago's there and he's got like this emo face on where he's like got his knees drawn up and he looks all like dejected and louis like oh no this sad creature his bullshit humanity coming back to him right santiago's like tell me more about yourself it'll make me feel better totally plays him until louis is like wait a minute (laughs) you're not sad and all the other vampires come out and they're like he's not sad he's just kidding i'm like guys (laughs) they're so shitty they're like the worst he gets to paris and it's like i've been waiting i've been looking everywhere for you and they're garbage can you imagine mm-hmm. that you're like on a global trek right to find mm-hmm. your people to find your community right like mm-hmm. oh, i'm gonna find them they're gonna be great like i need to go see my people mm-hmm. and you get there and they're all awful <laughs> dude the claudia later being like i did all of this and i hate them <laughs> <laughs> i'm so mad yeah. why did we come here i was seasick for weeks Ain't yeah. nothing but rat sickness, right? Like, yeah. Like, I can totally understand why they're just put the fuck out. Especially knowing that Claudia, like, obviously has been talking 
to people, mm-hmm. right? And trying to set up her own future in Paris, trying to figure out like how she can thrive there and mm-hmm. leave Louis. Like there's like very much this underscore. And like, I think that's one of the things that really struck me this time around, right? I remember Claudia's story pretty well. I know what's going to happen, so no spoilers. But like mm-hmm. seeing her transformation a second time, it's so much clearer than it was the first, mm-hmm. right? Like Anne Rice uses a lot of uh, adjectives like, blank stare Mm -hmm. uh toneless voice right like yeah the way that she categorizes and uh claudia and her behavior and her affectation is very much of someone who does not give a fuck right yeah someone who's over it someone who's just kind of here because she's supporting somebody else louis right Mm -hmm. like she does not care she's not in the mood for compromise she doesn't really want to get to know these vampires she's passive she's passively interested Mm -hmm. in getting to know these people like it's mostly for louis that she's there and i feel like this is almost the final straw i feel like this is the last time that she's finally just like you know what i think i need my own place right like i think i need my own life like i love you very much and i'll always love you but between fucking eastern europe and you being scared to death and me having to drive that fucking carriage and this trash like i think i'm done right like claudia's just like anyway like she's ready for a new chapter to her life and like louis it's interesting to watch her become the adult mm-hmm. because as far as vampires are concerned, Louis is basically a child, right? He's still a baby compared to her. Like mm-hmm. she's reconciled the fact she's not mortal. She's reconciled the fact that she is never going to die. She's made peace with the fact that she's not going to grow old. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's exhausting to her and it's every day just feels a little bit worse But Mm -hmm. she's resigned herself to, well, I'm still a powerful being and I can make my life what I want it, which is why their hotel room, like when they talk about the hotel room that they stay in um, and that Santiago somehow knows everything about because they've been casing their joint for weeks, which Mm -hmm. is terrifying when you realize Mm -hmm. that, that they've been watching them all that time. Fuck. Um, That moment, my blood ran cold. I was like, Jesus. So they could have gotten you at any time and you wouldn't have even noticed. Um, Like at this point, Louis' humanity is becoming a liability for him rather than something that's nice and keeps humans alive. It's going to make him dead. Uh, And probably Claudia too. So like- Because it doesn't even, you know, keep humans alive. Because- Yeah. He just gets upset (laughs) about it. And then he like- Yeah. Like there's- It's always zero to 100 with them. They don't ever just like drink from and release. They they don't do practice catch and then release. They always have to kill. Yeah. Which is a whole other topic, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that's why Armand is such a change for Louis. Why, even though he doesn't like what Armand has to say, or or the lack of what Armand has to say, I guess I should say, mm-hmm. um, even though that's a thing that he has, like, a problem he's having, he still does learn from, from Armand. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the sketchier moments of this book um, is when Louis goes back after the play to see Armand in his study. There's a young boy there that's 13, I think. So he's not a child like Claudia, but he's also very much not an adult. And um, Louis goes back there and uh, the boy kind of approaches him, right? With this very kind of wanton look on his face. Um, It doesn't feel like the look of innocence, It's Mm -hmm. a knowing look like you need me, right? You want me. Mm -hmm. And so he approaches Louis and offers his neck and Louis sees that he's like riddled with vampire marks, right? Like riddled with bites that are healing. Yeah. And so Armand is like, please sample this boy, right? (laughs) Sample my boy. Try some, right? And Louis's like, "Mm, okay. 
And so like the boy comes to him and like Louis embraces him and it's a very explicit scene. Mm-hmm. No sex takes place, but they, Louis mentions this boy's erection at least twice and how the boy is like moaning with pleasure and stuff. Right. Yeah. And like, he like loves getting his blood drunk and all that stuff. But like, it's awkward because obviously he's 13 and that's not great. And I understand age of consent in, in Paris, I'm pretty sure is not 16 like it is here or 18 like it is here rather. Um, there's there's different lines all over the world for the age of consent mm-hmm. um but this boy essentially like is fine having this sexual and this sexualized encounter mm-hmm. I, I think is what we should say it's sexual for him it's it's sexual for louis but they're not having sex um yeah. and i think that's like the nail in the coffin as far as whether or not louis is straight too that's like yeah Louis is gay as springtime, which is wonderful. Um, oh, I like, listen. There's no doubt in my mind that this is not a straight man. The entire book, no, no not a straight man at all. Uh, sweet baby. Um, it's funny because like when I read his scenes with uh, the lady next door, the mm-hmm. um, um, the woman who owns the neighboring plantation, in my mind, when he appears to her as a ghost, he's like, in my head, I'm like, can we have like JVN play Louis? please <laughs> and we had like a reenactment of that scene like i feel like louis is there like listen honey i already told you how to moisturize to look good for all eternity how to go out there take those idiot men's money fucking run them around town mm-hmm. okay take their fucking wealth girl take it right like that's literally how i picture the scene yeah of him being like you got to get those cucks bitch get that money right like the way that like somebody would like cheer someone on in modern times yeah um like the way that your like gay best friend like talks to you um so i don't know i find it i find it deeply entertaining um and i'm (laughs) even when he said he was shocked he loved the neighbor i was like this is a bisexual man like yes yes he thinks she's pretty Mm -hmm. but also her brother is cute too Mm -hmm. that's what i'm that's what i'm getting from this yeah facts (laughs) big facts yes yes which i love love to see it like yeah. give me give me a fucking bisexual vampire i i honestly think all vampires are bisexual i think when you can have any and anyone you want like you stop caring about shame you stop caring about religion you stop caring about all the things that like make people not want to consider whether or not they're a little bit gay yeah um and i think you just kind of go for it so i feel like when you live me, that long yeah. you're gonna be like let me just dip my toe I mean, you have not, literally nothing to lose. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you're embarrassed about it, you can kill all the witnesses, you know? Like, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. You have nothing to lose. Like, go for it. Try the whole smorgasbord. Mm-hmm. Really. Right? Go for it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I still like this book. Um, I recognize the place that it holds in pop culture. Mm-hmm. I understand how it has lasted this long mm-hmm. but i do i do very much look forward to like we were saying seeing where they take it in a more modern sense with the with the tv show yeah because i think that there's more to be told here and i think that like this book it, obviously it wasn't rewritten but i feel like it could be rewritten right mm-hmm. it could stand to have a rewrite there are some ways that it's written and some things that are said that like aren't great especially in like the early days talking about slavery and the plantation and stuff like that. Like there's not a lot of diversity. There could be way more. Um, One of the things that the movie does uh, is they cast Antonio Banderas as Armand. 
Mm. which means that he is a person of color. Mm -hmm. So that's one, that's one change that happened that I thought was good. They still make him just as white as everybody else's skin and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I do at least like that, you know, he's in it. And like another Easter egg, Tandy Newton from Westworld fame. Okay. Um, I mean, she's been in a bunch of shit, but Westworld Mm -hmm. and Big Mouth are like her most recent endeavors Mm -hmm. that people know. She's in it as um, one of the slaves on the plantation Mm. in the movie. So there'll be there'll be some cameos that you see that you're like, wait, what Um, in the movie that are interesting. But um, yeah, I think that if this book had if this book were rewritten, I would be very interested in, in, in understanding it. I think it's cool thinking that like. In the next like hundred years, someone probably will rewrite this yeah. because it'll be the Creative Commons license will be up, and they'll be like, you know what I'm doing? A retelling of Interview with the Vampire, just like how we have a million retellings of Alice in Wonderland and stuff. I would love to see <laughs> someone do a retelling in which Louis is like, um, like a dad, like Claudia mm-hmm. is his actual daughter who at mm-hmm. 16 years old got bitten by a vampire but like she was really close with her father and was like i can't Mm -hmm. imagine going through this whole life with you breaks up with vampire boyfriend goes on a fun journey with her dad Mm -hmm. like i would love to see that i feel like that's what they did with let the right one in Mm -hmm. there's a um i don't know if you've seen that movie Mm -hmm. it's a danish film um that was made into an american movie that is not as good but it's about a little a little vampire who is supposed to be androgynous um Mm -hmm. And they meet a little boy that they take an interest in because they're lonely and they want a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Danish version uh, or Norwegian, I can't remember. It's a, it's a European movie, but um, great film. Excellent movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely recommend. Um, however, the American version I heard is just fine. I didn't bother watching it because I heard it's like exactly the same, mm. but a little less, a little less good. It stars uh, Chloe Grace Moritz as the vampire. And then they just released a show on Showtime, mm-hmm. but it's more about the father trying to save his vampire child. Okay. So it's it's got similar vibes to what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Not the same, but similar. It's on Showtime Great. if you want to watch it. I, I'm probably going to be down because I'm just really in my vampire era. Yeah. Let me know what you think. My parents saw it. They were like, Candace, you're going to love it. I'm like, okay, I'll watch it eventually. Got Sorry. a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> I almost sent you something the other day because remember me telling you that I like pink but in like a weird way uh-huh. I almost sent you this thing because it was exactly my vibe but then I like didn't for some reason don't know why I didn't <laughs> but I was like this is the way I like oh so basically it was this girl wearing all I could just describe it to you this girl wearing all black and she had a black duffel bag like mm-hmm. for her gym and then she pull, opens the duffel bag it just pulls out pink all of her like cute stuff like is in pink little um like pocket like you know how you have all your stuff that goes together in like a pink zipper pouch mm-hmm. yeah all of her stuff like her phone charger blah 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 zipper pouch and i'm like this is the way that i like pink you know like for <laughs> yeah very specific for accessories. yeah very specific yeah. things like not usually for my outfits but for like mm-hmm. small parts of my personality i like pink yeah I agree with that. Yeah. I like pink electronics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I have a pink stand mixer in my kitchen. That's really beautiful. I like, I like pink, pink in and vehicles. Mm-hmm. Like if I had a stick shift, I'd have like a pink stick, like stick, not stitch, stick. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. The knob? Yeah. 
I don't know why my setter was like, now's my time, but you know, there you go. <laughs> it's been waiting to sabotage you. Yeah. It was waiting for the right moment. And that was the good mm-hmm. one. Yep. But I saw someone with like this cute, like kawaii heart. Um, I don't know what they're actually called, but my family calls them Jesus handles. Cause you grab them and you yell Jesus. <laughs> when someone's driving a little too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but someone had like a heart shaped one that hung down off of those handles cute it was like big and metal and it just it was yeah. really cute it was pink i mean it's cute until it beans you in the face but yeah that's why no one's allowed to ride passenger cute. you know yeah <laughs> but yeah Man, it was really cute that's hilarious anyways <laughs> the book mm. um so i have to because we covered a lot of this let me see where we're actually at mm-hmm. i don't know why this is zooming weird okay um Oh, Louis calls Santiago a buffoon. So mm-hmm. we have to note that because now Santiago has a beef. like beef vendetta yeah. with Louis. So, mm-hmm. uh, especially based- because Santiago used to be Armand's main bitch and now mm-hmm. Armand is like all into Louis mm-hmm. and is obsessed with his opinions for some reason. Who knows? He's like, ooh, a morally just vampire. You're mine now. I'm like, okay. Whatever. <laughs> so Armand's like, you guys need to stay away. Otherwise you're going to get in, je- uh, in danger. And Celeste is like super jealous of Claudia for being blonde. Mm-hmm. Which is like, you could just do that. Like you could just, you could just stop dyeing your hair. Literally yeah. just let it grow out. <laughs> Literally. Like, I don't understand. This is a weird problem to have. But, um, stupid. Yeah. And then Amaran's like, hey, you need to like really toughen up, put a mask on, and like don't let anybody in. And Louis's like, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> so, um, basically, Louis goes on this whole like hike around Paris for a moment and he like gets a painting done buy some random dude because he's trying to figure out what to do with claudia because you know as you mentioned he's having this whole like awakening to she wants to be her own person and i need to start living my life so maybe i should let her move out kind of thing Mm -hmm. so like while he's contemplating this he goes and gets a painting done and then like drinks the blood of this painter for some reason he's like oh i'll hang this painting in our mantelpiece in the hotel and Mm -hmm. i'm like why why because he's trying that? to do that he's trying to do that shit that, like your parents do when they realize they've been neglectful and not noticing like all the important parts of your life mm-hmm. and you're like hey just uh, over here living my life and then they're like you know it'd be really great let's talk about the old days mm-hmm. my dad sends uh one of my parents are um having an argument <laughs> my dad's favorite thing is to like go through all of his pictures that he has and mm-hmm. send a shot from like 20 years ago of the whole family look at this whole family celebrating uh 2000 to the year 2000 oh my look God. at us with our 2000 glasses on that's great jesus oh man look at this this is us at disney world and i'm like 15 in my awkward stage where all my clothes are too big and i have pimples everywhere isn't this great don't you love looking at these i'm like no i don't i know what you're trying to do i get it i understand those are the days ah a family but um, also you're mortifying me at 8.30 in the morning. So it'd be really great if you could like put those back where you found them. 
Yeah. Every- That's what he's doing. He's like, see, Claudia, we love each other. Look at yeah. this. We're a family. She's like, yep. And soon I will move out. Mm-hmm. He's like, mm-hmm. But you won't have access to this painting. She's like, I'll make us, I'll commission a small one from my house and my mantle. Yeah. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. <laughs> yeah. She's like trying to do that thing too, where when she moves out, she's like, okay, I'm going to take this, this, and this. And he's like, yep. Um, well, also, uh, Robert, your fifth grade yearbook, you're going to take that too. And you need like, that too. Do I? Like, could you just like hold that for me? And he's like, no. Mm-mm. that's the energy no. if you're if you're gonna leave then leave yeah right like get a storage unit if you need to yeah <laughs> and oh you're like God. i'm gonna just throw away these priceless memories if you like don't hold on to them and louis like just be gone get out of here then just rude truly especially when you consider how long she babied him yeah yeah like, I understand he's like, oh, I'm your dad, right? He's thinking of this, like, I'm your dad's sibling lover, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever. But at the same time, like, she's been putting up with him for, like, 60 years, right? <laughs> like, yeah. She's been dealing with his bullshit and his clownery well, it has for to be 60 more. years. It like, has to be more. Because when you think about it, like, Louis and Lestat had slaves, Okay, Mm -hmm. so then they go from having slaves to being in New Orleans for not a long time Mm -hmm. to getting Claudia to going to Paris. And now we're talking about servants. So maybe maybe more like 100 years. Yeah, like it had to have been a long period of time. This is this is exactly it. Like, I think like and again, like Louis... I think upon this second read, like the first time you read this book, I feel like Louis is a very sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you buy into Claudia is an abomination, right? If you buy into that theme mm-hmm. that she's just like Lestat, right? She's that father's daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's reckless. She's, you know, whatever. Like if you read into all of that, if you don't read into all that and you accept all of that at face value mm-hmm. and you're like reading this at the beach or something, right? Like without really like thinking about it, it's very easy to feel like Louis is to feel bad for Louis, right? Mm-hmm. To feel like Louis has been cursed with two different vampires that have not cared for him. Now he finds Armand. Finally, someone does care, right? Like part of Claudia's like, what the fuck too, I think is because she's like, you're already moving on with Armand. Like Armand loves you. He's put his like mark and his fucking mm-hmm. smell all over you. Like you're obviously moving on. I'm tired of being a third wheel. Like I want my own life. Right. Mm-hmm. And Louis can't understand that. He can't see the whole thing with Armand. He can't understand like why that would be painful for her. Mm-hmm. He can't understand the trauma, right. That she went through with his drama with Lestat, right. Like mm-hmm. she's born of the drama. And, and, the, and the beef between Lestat and Louis. And mm-hmm. she's like, I don't want to get in the middle of that again. Like, I just want my own life. Like, I just want to go live, right? Like, we can still talk. We'll see each other every once in a while. Um, but, like, Louis is just like, no. Like, yeah. you're leaving me. You're abandoning me, right? Like, I think that, like, this time, now that I'm reading much more closely, like, Louis is actually a fairly selfish character. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't think, like, he, he criticizes Lestat for how how you know shitty and overly dramatic and selfish Lestat is. And mm-hmm. like no doubt, Lestat is absolutely a preening princess dandy boy, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. But like Lestat still tries to share things with Louis. Lestat still talks mm-hmm. to Louis, right? He communicates with Louis. Like 
I don't see a lot of communication between Lestat. I mean, b- between Louis and Claudia. Like mm-hmm. Louis even says, like when he sees the vampires pick Claudia up and carry her around, it's in that moment that he's like, "Fuck, I've been carrying her around like that and picking her up like she's a child and mm-hmm. tousling her hair and doting on her in that way." But she's a woman. Like mm-hmm. you can't just you wouldn't just walk up to a sixty year old woman and put your hands in her hair, right? Like that's no. not what you do. Like you don't walk up to a sixty year old woman that's four feet tall and pick her up and put her on your hip. Like that's not yeah. what you do, right? That people have autonomy mm-hmm. when they're older. You can only do that to a child. And he's been like not parenting her, but parenting her this entire time. Like he's not taking stock of where he went wrong. Like there's glimpses of it. There's moments where he has clarity and he's like, oh shit, I might have fucked that up. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, that probably wasn't the best idea. Oh shit, should have done X, not Y. Right. But like he's not consistently thinking about it and therefore it never gets better. Yeah. You know what I mean? He yeah. never improves. And Claudia's just like, I can't wait for you forever. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I can't wait for you forever. Like, even even if I could teach you things, you're not willing to learn. That's basically yeah. their relationship. Yeah. Right? Like, and she really kind of puts her boundaries up and he's like, mm, no. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to make this choice for you. Mm-hmm. And she's like, this is exactly why I'm leaving. Yeah. Right? Like, you can't even feel bad. You're like, I get it. Like, especially because like, what he wanted from Lestat was a way to be different, mm-hmm. right? And it's his own hubris and his own, like, obsession that keeps him from recognizing the reality, right? Because Claudia doesn't know humanity the same way that he does, because she's a purer vampire than he mm-hmm. is because she's so young, that's how you find the balance. Talking to her about why you feel the way you do. Talking to her about, you know, what's going on with you and, oh, I don't want to kill humans and it fucks me up, Right. And then allow her to inform what you're doing, right? Allow her to inform, you know, what, um, how he can find a happy medium or a middle ground between Mm -hmm. where Lestat was and where he was, right? To me, the key is Claudia because like she's coming at this with nothing. She can only tell you really the base instincts and the base experience of being a vampire. Louis is holding on to humanity. Claudia has none. Mm -hmm. So it's like, working together they could have found the answer that they were looking for yeah but he doesn't treat her like an equal no he always looks at her as his child yep yep and it's it's very much to both of their detriment truly i think on this note that's a great way to end this episode awesome (laughs) good talk truly we're gonna have a (laughs) lot more to cover with next week's episode, I think we'll be able to... Well, the shit's about to hit the fans. Yeah. So. I think we're going to be able to finish <laughs> up this part. Um, yep. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So... Oh, my goodness. Candace, where can the people of the internet find you and your stuff? You can find me at Candace the Magnificent, all one word, C-A-N-D-A-C-E, over on uh, Twitch, Instagram, and YouTube. I will be back with some new ice cream reviews uh, coming soon. Uh, by the time this airs, hopefully there will be some up already. Um, and then you can also find me at that Candace girl on Twitter. If you are interested in TTRPGs or just seeing what I am doing about town, um, you can find me over at 12 sided stories, which is a podcast called Bookhound bounty hunters, um, a TTRPG actual play about librarians, uh, that are also bounty hunters that will get your book, your books back by any means necessary. Um, so definitely give that a listen if you are bookish and interested in, uh, really dorky podcast. <laughs> Great. I love it. I love all your yeah. TTRPGs. Thanks. I, I love dorky podcasts. Like, mm-hmm. dorky is my middle name. So, 
same same <laughs> yeah but we will catch you guys the same place next week unless you're listening to this in the future and which we'll catch you right in the next episode bye yep. bye